ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਮਾਰ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਫਤਿਹ ਨੇ ਰੀਸੈਂਟਲੀ ਵਾਟ ਆਸ ਵਾਚਿੰਗ ਵਾਸ ਅ ਡਿਬੇਟ ਬਿਟਵੀਨ ਅ ਵੈਲ ਆਈ ਡੋਨ ਨੋ ਵਾਟ ਦੇ ਕਾਲ ਥੈਮਸੈਲਵਸ ਨਾਊਡੇਸ ਦੇ ਚੇਂਜ ਕਲਰਸ ਮੋਰ ਥੈਨ ਦਾ ਵਰਕ ਬ੍ਰਿਗੇਡ ਬਟ ਸਨਾਤਨ ਵੈਦਿਕਸ ਇਜ਼ ਦਾ ਨਿਊ ਨੇਮ ਆਈ ਬਲੀਵ ਐਂਡ ਔਨ ਦਾ ਅਦਰ ਹੈਂਡ ਯੂ ਹੈਡ ਅ ਸੀਕ and the vedic was trying to you know do whatever they do to seek history usually which is downplay it or argue that it's been rewritten by the british etc etc and the seek actually had him on the tightrope so the vedic turns around and says that you know amrita is a term borrowed from uh, vedism and that uh, you know the very concept of amrita and sikhi is derived from vedism because amrita is internal matter now the seek pulls out all these quotes from adi shankaracharya explanations which say that amrita is nothing but a tasteless potion because in reality this world is a dream so then amrit is also a dream and let's remember that adi shankaracharya is the unquestioned king of vedism because he's the one who formulated vedanta straight out of the vedas if you want to look at a perfect example of how to live a vedic life look no further than adi shankaracharya and if i remember correctly he was also the man who spearheaded uh, hinduism's uh, revival against buddhism on the subcontinent so yep back in the yep. days yeah yep so progressing forward from there now <clears throat> what's actually happened is the vedic has had to block the seek and run off anyhow what this <laughs> not surprising down there the thing is that there is no antecedent for their arguments really if you look at their uh, you know their history their scriptures you can easily get points against them now while the yajur veda section 32.8 claims that you know there is a oneness which permeates all aspects of creation and this is used to argue that the very concept of god vahiguru akal purak you know or the allah is borrowed from you know vedism in turn making it the oldest faith the reality is that if you read further into the vedas it said that this oneness is a falsity so the oneness in question is the fact that it's false It's like saying everyone is equal because everyone is an idiot and that the concept of a personal creator an intentional creator you know we were saying vahiguru has an intent in creating us well in the vedic uh, pre- uh vedic perspective there is no such personal creator in reality such a creator is the figment of deluded imaginations so the oneness which permeates creation is actually falsity falsity permeates creation that's why creation is united because it's false each and every microcosm of creation is false anyhow why i'm mentioning this is because this forms a very important part of what we are discussing today and that is now baba nanak is you know debating matters with the sids now by no means are the sids the pacifists they're portrayed to be today you can look at the sadhus who congregated gomb who are actually descended from these siddhas you look at their history you ask them about their history and you will see that even before gurunanak the likes of goraknath etc were always you know uh given to aggressiveness and you know the gurkhas you know what their mythology stipulates what their mythology says i don't know that goraknath went into a cave the ancestor the father of the gurkhas followed him and goraknath handed him a kukri and told him to defend the cave so hmm. the essential fact is the fact that goraknath had a kukri and he was the primordial sid just goes to show you that there was a history of force in them as well and yep, the reality sense. yep 
And the reality is that the Pujari has always armed himself as well to impose on others so that he is never questioned. And we are saying he's armed himself with force. Doesn't mean he necessarily carried swords around. He would have <clears throat> carried rocks and instigated people as well. Anyhow, Baba Nanak is sitting up there with the Siddhs and they ask him, Nanak, you have this clean, you know, oiled beard. You have, you know, your tresses, your hair, you have tied it up into a top knot and covered it with a dastad and you're sitting here in a householder's clothes. You've got wife and children. Why do you have all these things? Because your ideology, you say, is the truth and everyone is the false. And Baba Nanaka replies, there's no question of that. I'm saying it's false. I'm saying it right to your face. <laughs> and uh, they turn around and say, okay, so how is our ideology fake? And he says, okay, let's put it simply. He says, your symbols are fake. And they say, why are our symbols fake? And he says, because your ideology is fake. And they say, how is our ideology fake? And he said, although you're hypocrites. And they ask, how are we hypocrites? And he says, okay, why are some of you, you know, bold and some of you long-haired with, you know, filthy matted knots in your hair? And they turn around and tell him, well, we believe the world to be false, so we cut off our hair to, you know, indicate celibacy, which is based on the principle that we need to uh, symbolize the sterility of old men. And that once we are meditating away, we allow our hair to grow and become matted. It identifies us. And Guru Nanak said, oh, so it identifies you. And they said, well, yes, when we come down from the mountains in the evenings and go around asking for food, it identifies us as that we are renunciates. And Guru Nanak said, okay, so this world is false. And they said, yes, you really don't care what civilization says. And they said, no. So then why the hell are you guys going around symbolizing who you are? You see the okay. double standards? You see the double standards here? So on one hand, they're saying that we have no cure for the world. So why then are you, you know, adopting all these symbols to say that we want to signify ourselves to the world? So they're actually trying to, let's say, venture into the false world, identify themselves. Exactly, exactly. Now, that's right. So <clears throat> the reality, Guru Nanak says, is that if you are saying the truth that the world is false, then that should hold up. People should know already rather than you, you know, symbolizing that. And if you are symbolizing that, then that means that you expect, uh, accept that some portion of the world might be real where you need to go and symbolize what you believe against it. And it was very uh, abstract reasoning down here. But the fact was that the hypocrisy story had straight away that the world is false. But hey, we're actually going to go out and beg from this very world for our food, our sustenance, while at the same time criticizing it and trying to show to it that we are a bit superior because we believe it to be false. And that's why Baba Nanak said you're hypocrites. Okay. Following from this point. Yes. <clears throat> if there's a Sikh or a so-called Sikh who believes that this world is false and we are supposed to meet Vaiguru in, in the afterlife. Yes. Can that person believe in justice? I don't think they can believe in justice. I don't think they can believe in justice. Now, here's one more point. <clears throat> They are idiots, the Snatni crew, the Dilsafs, the Voiks, whatever you want to call them, they all congregate under this finger. Baba Nanak says that your symbols are false. And they say that if Baba Nanak said your symbols are false, then that must mean all symbols are false, including the symbols given by Guru Gobind Singh, who then went against Baba Nanak's injunctions. However, they refuse to comprehend the next point, even read it or listen to it, which is that Baba Nanak said your symbols are false because they are rooted in falsity. They're rooted in falsehood. Yep. So, so they dismiss the entire context. 
picking and choosing, yeah? Cherry picking at its finest. Now, <clears throat> coming down from there, we know from the evidence provided by Pai Gurdas and several contemporaries, near contemporaries and within Gurbani, that all the gurus had that hirsute appearance. You know, they had case <clears throat> and they retained kangas as well. Well, of course, that's that's natural. That's natural. And when it comes down to Guru Gobind Singh, now here's the thing. Through the previous century, the gurus, since the time of the gurus, <clears throat> the gurus have always held up Sikhs as the perfect template for mankind to emulate. And now the Sikhs believe the world to be real. They aren't like the Siddhas. They aren't hypocrites, you know. So here's the thing they've had to do. Their gurus decide that we are going to give the Sikhs symbols. Guru Gobind Singh decides rooted in Gurbani, which will symbolize their commitment straight away to the world. So obviously there is the case, which as it was proven in a 2009 Indian court case, that the justification for retaining case is actually found within Gurbani itself. And that, at that time, a non-Sikh judge had actually... Uh, requested the Sikh community to find such justification from within Gurbani for the other four Takars, which unfortunately the community hasn't done. But on that issue, the man who had spearheaded the defense of the Panj Kakars in the court case was none other than Professor Gurtej Singh, who today is assiduously dismissed in Sikh circles because he doesn't believe in the Dasam Granth. So all yeah. the, uh, all the uh, let's say, army of sons and babas, they couldn't produce a single argument, a single sentence. Okay, so the textbook which was published for lawyers afterwards, you know, regarding that case, in that book, in that narrative, there are only two pages provided by these, uh, you know, by this army you mentioned. And when they actually submitted their memorandums to the court case, now, you know, to the judges, there was nothing in it within it the judges found comprehensible and they threw it out of the court straight away. Well, color me surprised, mate. There were too many inter-contradictions anyway, but without going into too much detail and you know derailing what we are discussing down here. So here's the finger. Gobind Singh gave five symbols rooted within Gurbani. So we have Kesh, which symbolizes regeneration and much more. We will get onto that in another episode. We come down to the Kara. The Kara is a symbol of restraint and also a Shastra which defends the wrist. Then we come down to the Kachera. The Kachera, which obviously signifies, you know, restraint over base, base animal passions. Then we come up to the Ganga, which keeps the, you know, cash clean and is a sign of civilization and society. And then we come to the most controversial one, the Shri Saab, the Kirpan, which signifies that if, you know, there are, there are two main predominant powers in society today. There's religious power and political power. Would you agree? Two most ultimate forms of power? Uh, currently, you, you could say that. And the kirpan signifies to both that the man that the Sikh who wears a kirpan is against both of them, because while those two claim they only have the prerogative to use force, what the gurus are saying that the enlightened man, the Gursikh, the perfect Gursikh, knows that it's due to the individual that all other powers exist, and the individual has the divine prerogative to undo those powers because those powers will always be prone to corruption. So the Kirpan has a practical purpose and the Kirpan also has a symbolic purpose. Two purposes. Now, look, we know what happened in Australia recently in New South Wales. Yep. 
And I asked around, I have friends in Australia, we asked around and we got to the root of the situation was that the boy in question who did the stabbing, the child, that child had been bullied for a whole previous year by these gang of 10 boys and the school had done nothing about it. So patkas were being ripped off, uh, being, you know, beaten up very badly, bloodied and bruised. And you really can't expect nothing much. You know, you can't expect anything from a schooling system which is based on the welfare system model because let's face it, before the welfare state came along, schools used to teach us principles, values, and virtues. There was no sense of entitlement. Now that we have the welfare system that the government will provide for anything, those virtues and values are obviously on the way out. So what should have been taught to the bullies was that, you know, the law of consequences, you know, consequential action never was. The school kept on ignoring the matter. I don't know why, until the victim in question snapped and took out the kirpan and did what they had to because they felt compelled to save their lives. I see nothing wrong in that. I don't understand why, you know, our people are saying that the kirpan should be banned because let's not look at it on a, you know, wide angle perspective. This is actually on a case by case basis. Case by case basis. Yep. And it just goes to show you that once, you know, if someone's giving out longer, if you're giving out longer via darlings and if we, you know, stand up for ourselves, we become, you know, uh, <laughs> extremists and anarchists. Well, it's, it's actually quite, uh, let's say, a, a big issue of discussion that uh, about uh, what you just mentioned. Right. So once, if, if they're arguing that Guru Gobind Singh died for the nation, etc., so Sikhs are saying that it's all fine, but when they pull out the quote from the Zafar Nama, where he says that I vanquished the Hindu hill kings and destroyed their idols in the Zafar Nama, then it becomes a different story. <laughs> We pick and choose and we allow people to pick and choose. But the main main issue down here I see is that, you know, regarding the Kirpan for a few minutes, if we discuss it, I see nothing wrong with how the boy used it to defend himself. It might as well be a scissor. Well, in, in the school grounds, you, uh, if, if that's Australia, there could be a cricket bat, let's say. It can yeah. be anything, but yep. But rather than anything. looking at the yeah, looking at the fact that the school failed to do something for one whole blasted year, look at how much self hatred we have for ourselves that we actually start questioning the kirpan. Now, obviously, regarding the issue, <clears throat> and this is the other fundamental issue we have: the pujari what the swatch holds that the. Kakars are a means rather than an ends. Oh, sorry. I mean, they oh, well, are wait. ends rather than a means. Okay. Let's not make any mistakes. We'll be crucified very soon. Yep. And the way this goes is that if you look at it today, it's said that you can't lose the kakars. If you lose the kakars, your sikhi goes away. So that's why that's why I, we decided that we would discuss some situations down here. Do you really think the Saib Jadas, the younger Saib Jadas, would have been allowed to retain their kirpans once they were thrown into imprisonment? Of course not. They would have been humili humiliated in every way possible. Every way possible. To, and To break their spirit. And these were the sons of Guru Gobind Singh, whose kirpan pretty much struck fear in the heart of the emperor in Delhi itself. They did? They did. Now... <clears throat> many Sikhs would have been killed. Okay, look at Banda Singh Badr, the day Banda Singh Badr was killed. You really think he would have had his kirpan on him? Not just Banda Singh, all, uh, the other 700 Sikhs that were captured. And then we come down to Taru Singh. Now, the fact is, 
when the pujari questioned taru singh the fact is that the pujari when it says that the kakars okay so we have to keep the kakars on us 24/7 but when the pujari says that the kakars are the ultimate yardstick with which to measure sikhi with then he is actually questioning pai taru singh so let's take a let's take a brief look at history so who is pai taru singh so pai taru singh is a sikh martyr we have seen his pictures all around and what happens is that pai taru singh is actually living around the era of nawab kapoor singh his father actually died fighting in banda singh bahadur's battles against the moguls so he's actually killed in 1745 so what happens is that pai taru singh is living in a you know village with muslims and uh, low caste hindus and they refuse to hand the family over to the mogul authorities and zakaria khan is in his court and he asks harpak naranjana <clears throat> that you know you have hindu spies muslim spies what is happening how come the sikhs are still continuing to fight i've destroyed villages of sikhs i've destroyed their relatives i've destroyed everything and everyone i can think of and he said but well, there are a few exceptions you missed individuals like pai taru singh and you know the description given in the shri grupanth prakash is that they spit upon the idols of you know the vedic faiths they do not you know profess belief in kabba and believe it to be a house of falsehood so they are very uh, provocative uh, in citing dialogue and citing descriptions given against other faiths and it comes down to that pai taru singh he might be poor but the family works for the singhs near and afar and zakaria khan says okay then how do you know about this man and harpak tanranjana tells him well you know a few months back what happens is that a band of sikh warriors raided a local governor's house killed him and his men and freed a girl he they had been gang raping and what happened was that this girl was married off into a very prominent family and so her poverty and her father's poverty was availed ameliorated and the call and the sikhs disappeared one of the attackers was pai taru singh and taru singh was from a nearby village and what had happened was that initially he had found these sikhs resting in a cave after a massive battle he had healed them disallowed them from dying and that's why you know he became so prominent and we learned about this so zakaria tells him to go arrest taru singh taru singh decides to hand himself over anyway because he knows that if he hands himself over now chances are he can save the village but if he doesn't everyone will be massacred all around him and that's exactly what happens so then he's taken and tortured by lakhpatrai and jaspatrai you know to break him to get him to convert uh, away from sakhi and then zakaria comes and says well look he's still staunch what do we do about him and they say we have to insult his kakars now in the minds of jaspat and lakhpat the kakars were like the janu bodhi and tilak you know that these are symbols make the man rather than the man's internal uh psyche lending credence to the symbols and they decide look snatch away his kirpan so the kirpan is snatched away and thrown on a rubbish heap snatch away his kara his kara's chucked away as well break his ganga and they break it in front of him under their feet and then zakaria says that look we have grabbed a thousand of them and cut off their hair or some of them have cut off their hairs and gone into hiding and then grown their hair and come back again and they said well actually we will give him such a offense he will never be able to retain his hair again so they decide to scalp him take off the scalp you can regrow your hair but can you regrow your scalp uh no no and that's exactly what they do so cut a long story short and anyway we know the rest that you know 9 days after uh, taru singh zakaria died as well but the fact is that when 
Daru Singh, his, you know, Kachera is, you know, made filthy with his blood, the blood from his scalp. His scalp is thrown away on a rubbish heap. His karpan is chucked into the flames. His ganga is, you know, broken, splintered and swept away. His gada is thrown away, God knows where. Does that mean he stopped being a Sikh, that his Gursikhi was destroyed right there and then? Of course not. And the fact was that then Zakaria understood what the matter was, that the Kakars only symbolized that this person is concomitant with Sikh ideals. That they are the first yardstick to measure a person's Sikhi with. And the fact was that even after the Kakars were taken away, now these Kakars, if you look at it formulaically, symbolically, they represent rebellion against society. Okay, uh, in, in a very simple term, let's say, Hmm. There's a soldier. Yes. If a soldier is wearing civilian clothes, is he not a soldier anymore? I guess the thing down here with Sikhi is the fact is that we are soldiers permanently. You know, this is always going to be something we need to symbolize 24-7 that we are Sikhs. It's a way of commitment in which we symbolize our Sikhi even while sleeping. So it's all internal, not what you are wearing on your body. Yeah. What the kakars do, even though you wear them on the body, they symbolize what is internal. Yep. So the, the outward uh, appearance is not that important. What's inside is more important. The outward appearance only judges what the inside should be. What the inside so, should be. Yep. Now... If a soldier marches to us in a uniform, fine, then there are times when soldiers wear, you know, a civilian uniform. We are talking about, you know, permanent soldiers, Carl's as a soldier saints. Now, when a soldier comes to us in a uniform, what do we associate that uniform with? The state. The state. And we also associate that uniform with why the state is waging war, etc., etc., what the reasons are. But if that very same soldier wearing that same uniform turns against us, what do we associate with that? That this soldier is not concomitant with the wider principles of the state or they've turned against us? Well, they turned against us. And the thing down here with the Kakars was that Guru Gobinson gave them as yardsticks, practical yardsticks for our purposes as well. I mean, you will be surprised at how many times I need to use a knife as well and how many times you need to use a kirpani out there as well. The world is changing. And I mean, seriously... We are a minority, we should always be armed. And I mean, yes, it is a democracy, etc., etc., but remember the state can turn against anyone, anytime. It doesn't matter if it's a democracy, a republic, a dictatorship, or a monarchy. Yeah? Yes, it, it can happen anytime, and this is an eventuality the Guru So, And I mean, with the Sikhs, once you're a Gursikh, once you're a Singh, obviously you're going to have many enemies, aren't you? Well, yeah, if, if you have reached, let, let's say, that state of knowledge, you are not a normal person anymore. Well, you're not, no. not a sheep anymore, I would say. Now, the fact is that Gurbani has a term in there, which is, a, with my accent, I'm going to try my best, Dararai. You know, Gyan Dararai, Sikh Dararai, Gurmata Dararai. The term Dararai is always translated to mean vibration. Except the fact is it doesn't mean vibration, it means realization or implementation. So when a Sikh, the fact is he's going to have a lot of enemies, him, her, 
a Gursik will have a lot of enemies, a lot of opponents. That's the way of the world. So what happens here with Pai Tarusing now is that Pai Tarusing's Kakars are snatched off, but the Sakian side comes out then, and that's when Zakaria realizes that if his Kakars symbolized that Sakhi, then that Sikhi was true Sikhi because inside him is that Sikhi and he's going to stick to it to, until his last breath. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, if the if we follow the Pujari Vadi thought that the Kakars are an ends in themselves and not a means, <clears throat> Alam Khan Rohila, during the era of the missiles, lost his family to Delhi. They kidnapped his family and took them away. And Alam Khan asked what sh he should do to his advisors, and they said, become a Singh. And <laughs> this is what he actually did. He you know, grew his hair and beard and cash and took Amrit, started wearing a kirpan and doing metanim, right? And the missile sardars, the ones who were opposed to this, you know, they made up this uh, little sarcastic poem. Ek guru ka do chela adda sikh adda rohila. And here is Alam Khan Rohila. I think the name they gave him was Sardar Gurbak Singh or something. Anyhow, after he gets his family and domains back, he goes back to being a Muslim. How can Would we... You... Yep. You were about to say something? <laughs> no, I was actually... Uh, well, since you've given this example, how convenient it is, you know. I'll use the kid to get my family back, then I'll just go back home to Islam. Now... When this man was wearing his kakars, even then people used to say this to his face as a taunt because they knew he wasn't a real Sikh. Arur <laughs> uh, Singh, who was the Sarabra of Tarbar side when the Jaliyawala Bagh happened, you know, one of the head mahats down there, that individual had a seven foot, uh, you know, a massive kirpan. Lambi kirpan, satpati agla paake rakhtas. You know, massive kirpan. He had People had one, he had three, up to three and four. Except, here is the thing about the Kakars. You know, they're, they, the principles the Kakars actually, you know, symbolize are based in the truth, the true ideology. And if they're stuck, if they're actually, you know, symbolizing a true ideology, you would expect that person to stick to the truth as well. Would you say he stuck to the truth that is he actually stuck to what his kakars uh, symbolized the day he invited uh, Dyer and uh, General Dyer to uh, Akal Takht and gave him a seropa and, uh, you know, did a charade of, uh, you know, fake Amrit Sanchar ceremony and told him that Guru Gobind Singh had told him that Dyer doesn't need to stop smoking or keep his cash? Man, I have so much to say about this, but I'll, I'm just going to say no. No, no. Now, <clears throat> another thing down here. Who doesn't know Gyanis Elsing? We uh, almost everybody knows who he is. And do you almost know that Gyan? Yep. And do you know that Gyanis Elsing was Amritari? I know. Yep. Now, what do you say that a majority of Sikhs would agree that he lived up to the virtues of Amritari? Of course not. Well, the, the, uh, I'm not too sure about the majority, but I would say no. No, right now. Here's another aspect down here we need to consider. <clears throat> Dara Singh made a film, Raj Karega Khalsa. And this film told the story of Kartar, who's a low-caste Hindu and becomes a Sikh. 
and how his family, you know, is uh, subject to many uh, raids from the Mughal police and they try finding him while he fights for Khal Saraj. When he made this movie, the Punjab elections were, you know, soon to go underway and Gani Zail Singh had the film censored. So what happened is that, you know, Dara Singh, if you even watch this movie today, first thing he had to change the name to Savalakse Eklado. And even if you watch it today on, um, you know, YouTube, at the beginning, you see that there is a short, uh, almost tribute to Gani Zail Singh during the, you know, Anandapur inauguration. And then, you know, what happened is that many other uh, elements came up, but, you know, Dara Singh managed to push the movie through. And uh, Zail Singh decided to go to Santa Singh Nyang of the Buddha Dal. This is actually printed in many, uh, you know, film magazines of the time and in the newspapers. And what happened was Santa Singh Nyang was newly coronated as the, you know, leader of the modern Buddha Dal. And Santa Singh Nyang got up and, uh, you know, opposed the movie. And there were some violent incidents between Nihangs and film goers and, you know, theater owners. And then it was decided that, you know, Dara Singh got up on stage and said in front of the Sangat at Anandapur that he requests Baba Santa Singh to either go himself or his Nihangs to watch the movie. And Santa Singh fired back the Jathedars don't go and watch movies. <clears throat> However, the Jalandar Choni of Nihangs went to watch this movie and they came out and at that time they gave it what can only be called a five-star rating. And Santa Singh had them pretty much expelled from the Nihangs. And then he got up and he said, how can we, you know, countenance to Dara Singh showing this film when he's playing the main role and in real life he's not a Kesha Dari Sikh. Hmm. At the same time, at the same time, several corruption cases came out against Gyani Zail Singh straight away. <laughs> And here's the thing, Dara Singh isn't an Amritari, but he tried his best to bring Amritari, you know, characters into the Punjabi film mainstream. Obviously, he failed because, you know, certain elements were too parochial. But then on the other hand, if you look at it, if you look at other Amritaris down there at the same time who were trying to ban the film, did they live up to the, you know, Maria Dolfa Amritari? No. And this is something we really need to remember down here. Now, <clears throat> let's go back historically. Noab Kapoor, Singh Baba, Banda Singh Bahadur, we have these names. Do we agree they lived up to the duties of Amritari, the Mariada of Amritari? Well, those things did. We we were talking about Pai Taru Singh. What do you say Pai Taru Singh was a true Amritari? Yeah, I would say he told so. Them, he told them that my Kakars, my Kesh, especially symbolize my Sikhi, take them away, I'll still be a Sikh, because Sikhi is inside me. These only symbolize my Sikhi, but even if you snatch them away forcibly, I'm not going to take them off myself, but you snatch them away forcibly, I'll still be a Sikh. Why? Because that spirit of rebellion will be within me. I'll keep on saying, do your worst, I'm still a Sikh. And they decided that's why they had to scalp him. Cut off his hair and he said, it will regrow once again. And they said, oh yeah, what if he scalp you? And he said, go on, do it then. And they did. But the Sikhi inside him stood firm. On the other hand, if you look at it now, <clears throat> You know, during the Pratap Singh Kero era. Yeah. The first problem they had was now, you know, Kero was caught up in so many corruption cases. This is actually, you know, written in Sangat Singh's book. That he knew he was going to get it one day anyway from the courts. No one could save him from a long time. But the problem was that he still wanted to give the Kalis a very grievous blow. Now, Master Tara Singh wasn't so much of a darling in those days, seeing he had failed on all counts, so they decided to do something else. Pratap Singh Kero instructed the media to stop relaying Tara Singh's image 
and instead focus on Sant Fateh Singh. Now, they knew that Sant Fateh Singh was, you know, a Sant. He didn't have the necessary political experience. He was pretty much a, you know, novice. Let's put him on the pedestal so we could damage the Sikhs further. And this is what the media did. They argued that, you know, at the time when I talked to people who saw those times who witnessed that era, they would tell me, like one of them was telling me that it was said that Fateh Singh's Kirpan was longer than Tara Singh's, that his nickname was longer than Tara Singh's, his Kara was bigger than Tara Singh's, even his Kachera was bigger than Tara Singh's, his beard was more, uh, you know, uh, less constrained than Tara Singh's. Everything to do focused on the Kakars, he said. Ultimately, when the failure started happening under Sant Fateh Singh, you know what happened at Akal Takht and uh, when he broke his multiple fasts by drinking juice and it turned out that he had said he would burn himself with kerosene, but those canisters had juice all along. He said, that's... It's real, it's real. Juice and kerosene... <laughs> So that's actually what happened. So when they actually had those Havan Kunts at the Kaltak, when he said he was going to burn himself and he realized he had bitten enough more than he could chew, he had to get that olive branch from, you know, Indra Gandhi in Delhi. Many people grabbed those canisters and threw them at him that, you know, if they if he wouldn't set himself alight, at least those canisters would burst and spray him with, you know, kerosene and they would throw matches on him. Except it was nothing more than orange juice. Hmm. Anyhow, <clears throat> moving from this grievous insult to the juice industry, when we look forward to it, we need to realize something that we have made the Kakars their weakness. Let's just think about it down here. Now, if Guru Gobind Singh came back today and you had you know, multiple Sikh politicians on state on state saying, I will do this, I'll do that, everyone's got an open beard and kakars. What do you really think Guru Gobind Singh would turn around and say, let's vote all the Amritaris? I think you look at the character first. See, this initial Amrit, this physical Amrit, puts us on the Gyan Marg. And that is not the, you know, Gyan Marg of previous fates, but the Gyan Marg of Sikhi. Only the words are the same, not the concepts. And the real Amrit is within us. So when we take that exterior Amrit, the Maryada, the Kakars, they're supposed to open the internal Amrit within us. And then we become true Sikhs, like Taru Singh. Now, when Taru Singh is arrested straight away, they ask him why he freed that girl. He told them that, you know, I have a sister myself. I wouldn't want to see this done to her. A true awakened Gursik lives as he wants society to live. Now, you and me, if we take Amrit, we I am Amritari, I'll admit it for what it's worth. But let's just say we go and take Amrit publicly, become politicians, and start eating away and looting people's finances. Are we really Amritaris? Of course not. Of course not. Now, if you look at something here, the Catholic Church, all the priests who retain the biggest symbols of office, today each and every one of them are facing multiple charges of sexual abuse, aren't they? Unfortunately, that is true. Unfortunately, that is true. Okay, let's look at the other way. Babbarakali movement, Gadar movement, even what happened 20, 30 years ago with us. 
how many of the individuals who enrolled in these movements were Amritaris and how many betrayed the movements? Hmm. Well, I would say a lot of them uh, uh, went their own way for their personal interests. A lot of them, let's say, turned turncoats. Is a, a turncoat is the correct word? Yes, turncoats is the correct word. And a lot of them just out, outrightly just betrayed everybody and just ran out to foreign countries. Now, Ratan Singh Pangu, we know that he provides all these false allegations against Bandha Singh Badr, but he says Bandha Singh Badr is an Amritari, and then he says Bandha Singh Badr went against the very uh, concept of Amrit. If it can happen then, we need to realize it can happen now. Only thing being that the allegations are false against Bandha Singh. But if you look at Khan Singh and the faction which betrayed him, each and every one of them was Amritari. We need yep. to realize that the Kakars are symbolic. They are our strength, but we have made them our weaknesses. Hmm, what do you true. agree? No, I was just thinking about it. It's true. We, we have so many incidences from our history. Now, you know, I was reading Inderjeet Singh Jedji's book, Politics of Genocide. And, uh, you know, Jedji wrote this about what happened during the 80s, 90s, even in the, previously in the Punjab. And, you know, he's no fan of Pindrawana. That's, that's the first thing. But if you look at it, Jedji here uncovered spectacular evidence provided by the military and the police at the time. The military and police uncovered a lot of evidence that there were, you know, camps and training sites where criminals were being given crash courses in Gurmukhi and Sikhi. And they were actually instructed to grow their beards and put on the kakars and look like Sikhs and go and fight against, you know, the Sikh separatists, just to borrow the term. And many of these actually ended up enrolling into authentic groups and taking Amrit as well from these groups, only to betray them later. And I mean, the point I'm trying to make here is that if the Kakars are a yardstick, then use that yardstick properly for what it's worth. Okay, so in, in, not... in very simple words, let's say they infiltrated the so-called Kharku Jatibandis. Yes. And all the Kharku Jatibandis saw was this, this, this person, this guy, who's got the Kakars and that was enough. That was enough. And I mean, if going back to our talk on Shastras, you know, we discussed having censures, having systems for these sort of things. It goes back to that all over again. So we had far too many Rohilas within us, yeah? Too many Alam Khan Rohilas were born within us. Even, even today, it's the same. I mean, every Amritari is not going to live up to the expectations provided by the Kakars. Okay, uh, this might be a little bit controversial, but I think this is my yes. observation. I believe yes. I know this is my observation. Yes. I've seen a lot of people who just take Amrit because they have actually given up in life. You're right. You're right. You see that as well. You usually can tell from their fateh. Like if you look at Guru Gobind Singh Ji's expectation from back in the day, Sikhs used to literally roar it out. Wahe Guru Ji Ka Khalsa, Wahe Guru Ji Ki Fateh. And today you have Wahe Guru Ji Ka Khalsa, Boy down six meters to the ground, kiss the floor, Vaheguruji ki fate, your eyes are half closing, your damala is falling the other way. 
you know, you literally ask yourself that why can't those guys, you know, like you really want to say it to their face. It's actually quite disheartening to say. This it, guy. It is disheartening. If you see such such person. Say, what? Yes. You call yourself a cult. Why are you so weak? And, and they're like, the first ones. Yep. It's like a, a very helpless person begging you. When they, when they, you know, when, when they, they will lie to you. And they're the first ones in the ranks by to start singing Khalsa Akal Purak Ki Poj. I'm sorry to say, I have seen these people, I met these people, well, I live here now. Yes. Uh, these people are physically repulsive. That's right, that's right. And another thing, let's, let's just point this out as well. <clears throat> There was a certain section of Sikhs who actually, to even today, their descendants claim that Guru Gobind Singh told us to go to Kanchi. We don't need to wear the kakars because we would have scared the pundits away, etc., etc. And they, they made the kakars into little symbols to wear around the neck. If there's an exigency, if you're learning a sport, and I guess if you have to go on a plane, obviously you need to look at those things as well. You know, now sometimes you need to make an expect, uh, exception to the discipline. The risk matrix of carrying a kirpan on a plane is more than the risk matrix of carrying a kirpan on the street. Do you agree? Yeah, of course. I mean, unless you're going... Okay, fine. Then if you say you know how to use a kirpan, unless you're going to prove to 284 other passengers who are going to board the kirpan or who are going to board the plane that you're a proficient user of the kirpan, I don't see any other way you can retain it up there as well. You know, What if someone takes it from you and uses it as well? I mean, let's let's just look at this way. 9-11, those box cutter knives which were used, they actually purchased them from the airport as well. Uh, okay. Okay, sorry. Yes. Let, let's say tomorrow, let's say, hmm. a terrorist grows out of his beard, yes. grows out of his hair, ties a turban, puts on a karban, yes. and he goes to, uh, takes a flight and let's say hijacks a flight or whatever. Yes. How are we Sikhs supposed to react then? But that's that's the thing. That's the thing. We need to be careful what we are arguing for. Now, look, regarding the plane, I mean, there can be a lot of concessions made or, you know, not made. At the moment, no concessions will be made. There is a massive risk of terrorism in the world. And the fact is that the Sikh identity can be misused. I mean, I just gave you an example from JG's book, didn't I? Yeah. So if they were able to misuse the Sikh identity, and it's happened, it's happened abroad as well, it's happened. I mean, uh, <clears throat> look at how many infiltrators we have had. We don't even know how many there are today. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's the ultimate thing, though, <clears throat> that if there are people who can infiltrate it, especially in places where the risk matrix is high, we need to sacrifice something. <clears throat> now, one of the things we need to remember down here is that, you know, when we do martial arts, we take those little kakars and tie them in our hair because we can't wear the bigger ones outside. Right? Mm-hmm. And many people have a problem with that as well from our community who say, etc., etc. Now, when Guru Gobind Singh Ji actually came out from Machiwara, do you really think he would have had that uh, big kirpan with him as Uchidapir or he would have just had a small one in his uh, case? And then on the other hand, they argue that you tie your cash in a certain fashion. Guru Maharaj had his cash open that day and his sings as well. 
Nawab Kapoor Singh went to assassinate Sakaria with 200 others. They also, you know, utilized very, very, very small minuscule kakars. And on the outside, they opened their cash and, you know, their beards, etc. Made them look dirty like Muslim dervishes so they could get into, uh, you know, Lahore. And the fact is that if you need to learn something, and if you're saying that, you know, Shastartari, Hona, martial arts are a way of the Sikhs, then obviously you would need to make a few concessions, find ways around quite a lot of things. But if you think that you're going to have a mala in your hand, Namjap, and you're going to get a black belt instantly, well, that's a massive delusion. <laughs> I'm sure when Guru Gobind Singh Ji had the, you know, younger Sikhs grappling the young Sikh boys and girls with each other, I'm sure he would have actually seen to the health and safety aspect and had them had, you know, little kirpans tied up somewhere where they couldn't do much damage to anyone. It might be, okay, it might be, let's say, uh, helpful for the person you are fighting or engaging in physical, let's say, combat, let's say in a real mm -hmm. battle. Yep. They could actually, you know, grab your, your karpan. Hmm. And they throw you around with it. They can use it against you. Yeah, and you, they could use the same karpan to choke you out or strangle you. And I mean, the thing is that if you have it, which we all know we have, we can't actually deny our ideology. We can't change the ideology. But the fact is then learn to use it as well. Well, of course you should. Now... On the other hand, if you look at it, I gave you several examples of, you know, okay, fine, then let's look at it this way. Master Tara Singh, what do you say he lived up to the expectations of an Amritari? No. Now, what happens is that, you know, the Darbar Sahib is demolished, we know what happens, and then suddenly, if you look at it, Santa Singh goes and rebuilds the Darbar Sahib. What did they do? They gave him a Tankaya. You know, the World Sikh uh, Conference declared him an outcast, followed by, you know, that 86 Sarbat Khalsa. He was an Amritari as well. At that time, did people say he lived up to the expectations of an Amritari? No, they did not. I mean, if it was real what the Pujari Vadis are saying, that, you know, that Kakars and, you know, Amrit make you divine and you don't need personal discipline, why would we have the system of Tankaya in the first place? Right. <laughs> You're asking the hard questions. That's the thing. I mean, it's for them, it's pretty easy to say, Kaljugi Pera Hogyasi, take Amrit and get back into the fraternity to do the crime next time. But the fact is that if you look at it, their arguments make no sense in light of their own practices as well. Uh, okay. I have a very funny yet important question. Hmm. Let's say somebody from India takes a flight to, let's say, America or Canada or yes. Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Europe, whatever. Okay. Yes. They had, they had to take off the Karpani, yeah? Yes. So when they land at their destination, do they have to go straight to the Gurdwara and take Amrit all over again? <laughs> at that time, it's usually said that do a part of Japji Sahib and you will be forgiven. So there, in Sikhi, there is an exception for airplanes. In Sikhi, there is an exception for exigencies where you can't really do much, can you? I mean, if you look at it this way from one other perspective, I mean, this is a perspective again. Let's oh. let's just go back to Pai Taru Singh again. Did Pai Taru Singh have an option? He probably fought them to get his, kirpa, uh, get his kakars, you know, 
retain his kakars, but when they forcefully took them off, Taru Singh didn't get up and say, okay, now I'm depressed, kill me, or tried killing himself, did he? He no, lived no. with it to the end. Now, if you look at what happens on airplanes, let's face it, it happens to everyone. You know, there are many other people who want to carry items on there. They can't, even a nail cutter, a nail clipper isn't allowed, you know? So ultimately, ultimately, if you look at it from another perspective down here, we have to live with the consequences of such, you know, exigencies and decisions. Okay, another one. Yes. There are a lot, let's say, a medical procedure where you have to, to remove all metal from your body. Yes. So let's say if I go for a, is it called an MRI scan, the full body scan? You, yes. You lay down on a machine and it goes in, in and out here? Yeah? Yep. So if I go for that scan, would I have to take Amrit all over again? I guess the fingers, you can go to the Panjapiyaras and they usually say, you know, have a chula, you know, have, you know, that you're forgiven and do their das and explain to them why you broke the Khalsa's discipline. That's that's the first thing. There's that's that little modicum, that little figment of the fact that we once used to be on, you know, military lines. But here's one I have for you. Won't name him. Particular massively popular Babaji from the British era. And they say, uh, what I was actually told one day was that Babaji had such love for his head that Babaji refused to take anesthesia before his operation. Bolo Satanam. And what happens is that Babaji is rolled into the hospital and he has this operation without anesthesia and the doctor becomes an Amritari. And, uh, you know, I asked the guy one thing. So what was this operation? And he said, kidney had operation. And I said, well, you know, Kartar Singh Jabbar back in the 60s had a kidney of the operation as well. And my grandfather was there. And the fact was that, you know, Jabbar refused to take anesthesia as well. It happens. It happens. We have these cases now and then. But then I asked him something. So Babaji had such love for Mariada, he uh, did not take anesthesia. And they said, yes. I said, why? Because it's Nasha. And I said, oh, well, you know, this is the first time I'm hearing you can get high on anesthesia given to knock you out. Anyway, when Babaji's kidneys were about to be, you know, taken out and, you know, excavated and healed, and he said, yes. And I said, what actually happened? And they said, Kamal And I said, you know, before doing Chirpar, they would have, you know, tried swabbing the area so there's no contamination. And he said, obviously. And I said, you know, contamination can be that uh, Babaji's clothes getting on it. And he said, oh, well, Babaji's, you know, chola was taken off, but the kacha was moved down to the, you know, ankles, so it didn't go off the ankles. And I said, oh, so, you know, once they swabbed the area, you know, they cut it. And they chased me out of the room. <laughs> because what happens is once they swab the area, they cut the hair on there, don't they? So Babaji refused to take anesthesia for Mariada, but Babaji was more than happy to have his cash on his body cut up. And you also have to remember they use alcohol. They use alcohol. So, see, wh wh where are we going with this? You know, where are we going with this? And these stories are used to argue that the guy who's up on stage, the guy who wants to be your leader... Respect him, love him, bow down to him, follow him, because he has his panjkakars. But no gyan. Fact is, how many husbands is an Amritari Bibi allowed to have as per Maria Den Gurbani? Well, one. How many wives is an Amritari Men allowed to have as per Rahat and Gurbani. Not the fake stories about the gurus which they credit, but as per Gurbani and their Mariada. One. One, right? 
So, would we say that Maharaja Ranjit Singh with all his kakars lived up to the ideals of an Amritari? Well, of course not. Would we say to our children that if you want to look at the most perfect Amritari, look at Maharaja Ranjit Singh? Uh, nope, I wouldn't even say he was a good chick to begin with. Would we say that Maharaja Ranjit Singh sitting with the British and drinking alcohol, these are the practices of an Amritari? No. But would we say that Maharaja Ranjit Singh had his panjikakars? I probably had them. So where does this lead us to? It leads us to thought crimes. That's what it leads us to. <laughs> Until we learn to judge people through the prism of Gurbani, through the prism of realizing that the kakars should indicate their internal state, until then the kakars will be used against us. Until then, the kakars will be used against us. You make a good point. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to un unravel this point. Now, look at it this way. Every time we get a new Jatidar at the Kaltak, we are, you know, shouting out, this is a breath of fresh air. And then, you know, once they end up doing what they end up doing, we, you know, go back and start, you know, licking our wounds. Fact is, they're right next to the Darbar Sahib. They have, you know, a dip in the Sarovar every morning. But still, they aren't living up to the Sikh tenets. You know, like Bhakt Kabir says that you can be next to the Ganga have a shower in the Ganga every day, it isn't going to stop you being a leech. If you take a shower in Ganga today, you'll probably catch a disease. The, <laughs> the same is said by Guru Arjan Dev and Gurbani. You know, you can take a dead body, put it on an ass and trade it around, or you can perfume it, or you can roll it up in dust. The dead person is dead. You can't change that. Similarly, your internal characteristics your internal self will remain your internal self no matter how much religious ritualism you do so how this ties in with baba nanak's dialogue with the senses that you guys believe in a false uh, ideology that's why your symbols are false for a sikh baba nanak is saying you guys believe in a real ideology your symbols are real so use them to judge your conduct in the real world Either use them to improve yourself or either utilize them to live up to the expectations me and my successors have. But what we are doing today is that we are just paying lip service to anyone who has the kakars. We are not judging their conduct. Okay. Uh, a very similar point I like to make. Yes. So you said kakar and conduct and character and everything, yeah? Yes. If Jannah was a Sikh, how would we have treated him? Let's just look at it this way. In Pakistan, they have mosques named after Jannah. And Jannah, you know, this is what Jannah said to the British once. I'm ready to go the whole hog for the Pakistan demand. And they turned around and said, but Mr. Jannah, you're a Muslim. Jannah also died from throat cancer. He was a prolific smoker as well. You know. End of the day, Jinnah was dishonest with his body. And Sikhi, we can't have that. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to keep ourselves in prime health. And this is to all the listeners out there who are overweight. Be honest with yourselves. And I mean, if they come and try chasing me, I can probably outrun them if they're that fit. Anyhow, getting back to the topic. The fact is, 
Jinnah was dishonest with his own self, but he got them Pakistan. Here, Baba Nanak's going to be asking, Sikh, I made you to be honest with yourself, except you still went and stuffed up so badly by being dishonest, not only with me, but with the others as well. All we looked at was Master Tara Singh's beard, his, you know, long kirpan and his kakars, and that was it. We never looked at, you know, Master Tara Singh's internal, you know, character, his attitude. I mean, one thing about Jinnah, despite him being dishonest with himself, despite him being an addict, was that he was decisive. Master Tara Singh could not make up his mind until the last minute. Even then, you had to push him into doing that sort of stuff. Okay, the way I look at it, it's like Jinnah was not not even a good Muslim to, to begin with. Hmm. Yeah? Yes. So uh, he consumed pork. Yes. I'm not too sure what's the status of smoking in Islam, but uh, he also drank. Yes. And he eloped with the, the daughter of his friend. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So let's say not a person of a great character, yeah? No, 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 not a great pristine character. But, but he did got Pakistan for Muslims. He did, he did. So what are we Sikhs supposed to gather from, from this, this historical blunder, blunder of ours? In Islam, they don't have the yardsticks we have. We wear our identity on our sleeves, and that should inculcate a bit of fear in us as well to live up to the Guru's expectations. All we looked at was Master Tarasing wakes up in the morning and does his nickname at four o'clock. We didn't look at whether Master Tarasing lives that nickname. All we looked at... Master Tarasing retained a you know big kirpan. We never looked at whether Master Tarasing lived up to the expectation of responsibility of a kirpan builder. At the end of the day, what did he get us? Nothing. So if Jinnah were a Sikh, let's say, hmm. and uh, he was in in position or he was capable of getting us our own homeland or let's say bringing back the Kaltaraj. Yes. Not through a monarchy, let's say through a republic or democracy, let's say. Yep, yep. I believe that most Sikhs would have rejected him straight away that you're not a Kisatari, you don't have the Panchka cars and everything. They would have not, not even for a single second thought about his capabilities, his characters and his loyalty. See, the sense of religiosity, if it was consistent, it would be something to be proud of, but it, it's hypocritical. You know, think about it this way. After Nawab Kapoor Singh and Jassa Singh Aluwalia, most of these missile sardars were, you know, womanizers and debauches and alcoholics and addicted to every type of drug. Yet people were content to live under them and say it was Khal Saraj. We just discussed Maharaja Ranjit Singh having over 37 wives, a drunk, an alcoholic, and, you know, addicted to many vices, etc., etc. Nonetheless, he was, you know, a capable leader as well. We were happy to live under there and call it a Khal Saraj as well. Now what happened in these few, you know, years, these few decades that suddenly we found this newfound religiosity, the thing is our standards became hypocritical, different for someone, different for someone else. We need that consistency. Now the thing is, fine then, Jinnah got them Pakistan. He was clever. He was intelligent. Why weren't our intelligent, decisive, Amritari leaders like Sardar Matab Singh and others of the All India Sikh Student Federation allowed to come to the top and replace Master Tarasin. Well, that's an entirely separate topic. 
that's an entirely separate topic. And it's a, it's a very deep topic because both you and I are personally vested in it, both as Sikhs and as direct descendants of people who had to, let's say, approve themselves and come to the Indian side in 1947. And suffer the consequences of that throughout the you know previous decades. That's the no, thing. Even today. Even today. Why weren't stalwart Amritdari Gursikh leaders allowed to come up to the top and replace Tara Singh? Then we could have said that fine, then Jinnah got them Pakistan, but he was a smoker and he went against the tenets of his faith. Our guys got us our own Raj, but they stuck to their faith. They remained true to their faith and they remained true to their people. But I mean, one thing I like to say down here, one thing I like to say down here, that if it's just Amritdari's we're looking at, you know, Let's just remember down here, being Amritdari, the day you become an Amritdari, there will be no change in you. The day I took Amrit, you know, I was under the impression, I had read Randeep Singh's uh, book on Amrit. I was under the impression, I was going through a very depressed, uh, you know, uh, point of my life, a very depressing, you know, uh, stage of my life. I was under the impression that, you know, something miraculous would happen. Nothing like that happened. And I spent years thinking that maybe... I wasn't, you know, good for Amrit. It breaks you inside. It prevents you from living your full potential. And that's how I met up with a retinue of people who, you know, told me that I had to retreat from the world. So I wasted four to five years of my life, you know, hiding my potential and doing what they told me to do. And the way they described it was that you're immersing yourself in Sikhi through Seva. This, this, this is what personally happened with me. Ultimately, the day I started reading Guru Granth Sahib myself and understanding Gurbani, I realized myself that there is a different expectation here, taking that Amrit is only the start of a journey. That journey has to be undertaken. The journey doesn't end at Kande Bhatteda, you know, at Kande Bhatteda Amrit. It doesn't end with the Bhatta. It only begins with the Bhatta. You make a very important point. Now the, people who, yeah, the... now, the people who led me astray, they're all Amritdaris. And one of them was caught out a few years ago in a <clears throat> sexual abuse case. And he's in Bana as well, full Bana. Would we say he lived up to the expectation of a Bana? He lived up to the expectations of a Kakar. And he's been an Amritdari for 37 years. Oh, <laughs> The number of such examples is far too many. Far too many. I mean, Master Taras, and here's the here's the thing down here as well. If when people start picking at straws, they go the full monkey, especially our people. When they start picking at straws, they leave nothing behind. And here's the thing. Here was the argument which was made that Master Tarasing was an Amritari longer than those other young ones. He had more experience. Well, at the end of the day, it showed didn't it what type of experience he had. Now, the fact is that once you're an Amritdari, you have to live to a certain ideal, and that ideal is found in the Guru Granth Sahib. Maybe Master Tara Singh didn't read Baba Nanak Sasadivar, especially the verse on Ang 1288, and I'll give a little brief translation down here. Dear falcons and administrators, they're universally renowned for their prowess. When their master sets his traps, they run to and bring their own kind as prey. For all their service, they're never bestowed rewards. But the enlightened leaders are those who pursue wisdom in all its forms. They root themselves like a tree and then shade their subjects like leaves blocking the sun. 
In this day and age, the kings are tigers and their psychophants dogs. They prowl out every day in the vacant enslaved masses to inflict atrocities upon them. With claw-like hands, they rent their victims limb to limb. The blood of it spills out is licked clean by slobbering dogs, but where they live there, they will be called to account. They who have violated their subjects' trust, they will be humiliated with their noses slashed off. Come to think about it this way, if you look at what happened with Master Tarasing, I don't know whether he was called to account in the next world or this world and all other Amritaris who have abused their kakars at the expense of the pump, but the fact is we remember them as traitors today, don't we? We do. And there is Taru Singh, whose kakars are taken off him. And today, if your kakars are even forcibly snatched away from you, you're held at fault by the Pujarivadi clique. But there's that son of the Guru Pai, Taru Singh, whose kakars are snatched off him. And today, we call him, call him a great Gursik and fight for the right to visit his Gurdwara in Pakistan, don't we? We do. We do. And that's the thing down here. Did anyone ever think that was Taru Singh Sikh he destroyed the day his kakars were snatched away? Well, there might be a few people who would think that way, but I'm not one of them. See, Gurbani tells us that when we die, everything which is of the physical world, you know, the body goes back to the soil, the light in our eyes merges with the light, our air goes back to the oxygen, the air we breathe, the air within our lungs. What a wondrous process this, you know, process of death is. It's like a recycling process. That's what Gurbani tells us. So... When we have our punch kakars, they're put on our bodies and they're burnt with us. Now, the way the Guru intended this, Guru Gobind Singh intended this to be the last final salute to the Khalsa, that they lived in their uniform all their life, they die in their uniform. The biggest honor any soldier can have is to be buried or, you know, cremated in their uniform. True. The biggest thing a Gursik soldier can have is to die in his Guru's feet doing what his Guru wants to do and to be cremated with full honor in his Khalsa uniform. But do you really think that Khalsa uniform or his physical body goes with him to the next dimension? No. And here we have Babas writing in their books that, you know, if a Gursik dies, they go to the other, uh, you know, heavenly realms in their physical body with their Kakars because the Kakars have their own soul. Well, you, the one of the kakars that Kesh, uh, a very well-known uh, Brahmagyani said that uh, the sole purpose of keeping Kesh is that so the guru could pull you out of the, let's say, hellfire by identifying you by your Kesh. We have just looked at the universal purpose down here. We will look at the individual purposes as well soon enough. But the point is that, you know, what they've made the kakars are to be and what the kakars are. Yep, yeah. That's the TLDR. TLDR. Now, you were telling me that story about an individual who was going to become a Christian and he asked, why don't you kill yourself or something? You want to repeat that story? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the individual is a, well, it's a very known media personality in, in USA, Belmar. Yes. I think he did a documentary a few years ago called uh, Religious, something like that, Religious. Yeah. Yep. And he goes around America talking to, let's say, quote-unquote, uh, religious people. Yes. And there's this guy who's like, who, who is convinced that uh, after he dies and uh, he will be with Jesus because he's saved, because he's a Christian. Yep. And he said, that I'll be in a better place. Hmm. He said, I'll be with Jesus. 
I don't care what that place is, but that place is a better place because I'm going to be with Jesus. Yep. And he said, why don't you kill yourself? When you know for sure that you are convinced that you're going to be in a better place, so why are you wasting this time in this shit place? Why don't you kill yourself? You can actually ask this question to, well, I don't know what your local laws are. You might be tried for being an assistant to murder. <laughs> and I mean, similar is the logic we can use against this lot down here who are saying that, no, okay. Talking about the slot, here's an example. So there's a family in New Zealand affiliated with uh, one of these, uh, you know, so-called Sikh Jatebandis. And um, what happened was that, you know, a few years ago, there was a massive scandal in Punjab about a politician and there was, you know, sexual abuse involved. And <laughs> they took to social media to argue that they would go back to India and vote for this politician again. And some people here asked him why. And they said, oh, we can't believe that politician did this. And they said, why? Oh, because he does his nickname every morning. Okay. I ask you a very simple question yep. from a real life. Yep. There's a there's a Punjabi village. Yes. The, it's a Sikh village. Yep. Or, or let's say primarily a Sikh village. Yep. There is the election for the Panchayat, for Sarpanchi. Let's say two opposing candidates, both Kursiks, both Amratari. Yep. They both do their nicknames. Yes. And they both both do another Dasa. May the may the God grant me victory. Yes. So both sides have done the exact same. Who's going to win? <laughs> well, it depends on who the people believe lives up to the expectations of their uh, banner. So if they are all doing the, let's say, same nickname, same practice, let's say, they, let's assume they even go to the same Gurdwara for the same Mariada and Rehat, who's mm -hmm. going to win? I mean, that's the issue down here. Where people need to learn to uh, confront. They need to hone their critical you know, thinking skills that do they live up to that expectation placed on them. Because so, if I'm yeah. if I'm going to be voting, let's say for my 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 mayor, my council, my sarpanch, or my 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 senator, my congressman, or my member of parliament, I'm not going to uh, no, vote for them looking at their physical appearance. So if this guy's an Amritari, I'll vote for him. No, mm -hmm. based on policies and your track record, that's how I'm going to vote. <clears throat> okay, so if you look at it from this way. The American founding fathers went overtly religious, even though they attended church. But no one, while deciding for Washington to be president, actually looked at how many times he went to church, or how many times you know he said his prayers, or how many times he read the Bible. They just voted him on the you know pureness of his character. Nobody ever down measured how big his sword was. <clears throat> no, down here in Sikhi, the gurus made it even more easier for us. This is Amriti Mariada. And that's why Guru Gobind Singh said, Mariada Piyari, Naki Sikh Mohe Piyara. And that's the thing. Live up to the Mariada, you can call yourself a Sikh. Except the thing is, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can take Amrit, and they can say, oh, you know, we did this for the Qom, we did that for the Qom. Now, make us your leaders and we will do it. Why is it that we never allow those people to pilot a plane? That, you know, we can say that they got the five Takars. Who the hell are you to call yourself a pilot? These guys have the five Takars. Tell to it to airplane to If not him, then who? 
if not in the new. And I mean to summarize, effectively what we are saying is that the kakars are a yardstick. Use that yardstick properly to uh, measure the various, you know, character. Yep, that's the way we should do it. That's the way we should do it. And that's how we should be progressing, not allowing them to become our weakness. Uh, uh, you must have heard about that Punjabi singer named uh, K.S. Makkana. Ah, yes, yes, Pataji too. What, what, what? You know, he looks like Pataji, you know, the dude who got oh, arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, sorry, Pitaji, of course. The yeah, almighty Pitaji. <laughs> yes. number two. Yeah, so he, he took Amrit, and I, and I, I think it was barely a year later, he just gave, you know, gave up. He had a bit of a white flag thing because even when he took Amrit, when you see, he went to sometimes Mata de Pandare or he sometimes went to Pitaji's, you know, club. <laughs> he went all over the place. He wasn't living up to the expectation and people were after him with, you know, pitchforks and he finally gave up. But Katia Giyar. No, he believed, uh, I assume, that Kodrat Kesabandi. Yeah, I think he would have thought that, you know, taking Amrit, he would have become, you know, an overnight hit. Or oh, there was another one, Kanvar Garewal. <laughs> he ain't another notoriety. Man, there's no shortage, man. There's no shortage. It's, it's like, a, uh, you know, something like a, they say that when you turn 18, you're suddenly responsible, yeah? Yep. So you turn 18 within one second, yeah? Yep. So you are 17 years old, 364 days, then there's, no? Yep. A few, a few hours, and, and within one second, the clock ticks and you're suddenly 18. Yep. So when you're 18, you're legally responsible. You're an, an adult, yeah? Yep. But are so you when, really responsible? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Does some lightning strikes your head and suddenly makes you a responsible person when you turn 18? <laughs> no. When you take Amrit, what physical changes occur to your body? Nothing. What mental changes occur to your body at that exact moment? Ah, now that's the one. Those mental changes you have to bring yourself. Well, that that's the main question. I mean, if it was just about, you know, changes happening themselves, Guru Gobind Singh would have never made a Mariyadda. He would have just stuck to the Adi Shankaracharya line that here, take this Mukti and that's it. No, it's like a... a, a it's a scene from a movie that I can't remember. Well, I've seen way too many movies a long time ago. It's like mm. a person, uh, a person takes drugs for the first time. Yep. And okay, he's, he's just waiting for the drugs to kick in. Yep. And it's like, is it happening yet? I don't feel anything. <laughs> That's the thing. So effectively to summarize, don't let the Qatars be a weakness. Live up to the expectations which come with the Qatars. Live in Mariada. Don't let the Pujari question fight Arizin. The Pujari is always going to question because that's the, that's what the Pujari is. But if you question the Pujari, question him so effectively that he's left screaming for the rest of his life. And you're encouraging people to commit thought crimes then? <laughs> hey, it's still better than becoming Pitaji too, eh? Well, Pitaji is currently on parole, I think, so... I'm not going to talk too much. He might knock on my door. Knock on my door. Anyway, that's all for today. Thank you very much. Why Guruji Kakal? Why Guruji Kakal?